When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hi, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person. I'm Kate, your host and author of the book, How to Be a Better Person. This week on the podcast, we are focusing on how to help the planet because tomorrow is Earth Day. It's also spring, and we're all itching to get outside and bond with nature after a pandemic winter. So let's capitalize on that urge and use it to help make the natural world a better place. Today, I'm interviewing Emily Murphy, a regenerative, that is not an easy word to say, organic gardener, nature activist, and author of the book, Grow What You Love. I'm going to be asking Emily about what we as individuals can do in our yard and on our windowsills and in our own communities to grow the change we want to see in the world. Emily, it is so great to have you here. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's dive right in. You advocate that people growing things in their gardens helps makes the planet healthier. How much of a difference can one person really make? Well, that's, it's a little bit of a, I mean, it's a, what do you call it? A, uh, not a double-edged sword. That's not the right connotation I'd like to make, but it's growing, growing in your home plot while it might seem insignificant creates huge benefits and positive impacts in our personal lives that then have this wonderful ripple effect throughout our communities and our planet and ultimately addressing this wide array of concerns from the climate crisis and biodiversity loss to getting your child, how can you encourage your child to eat kale or other leafy greens when they might not want to, right? So we're the, the possibilities of addressing these large-scale concerns and these everyday wishes uh, for a growing healthy family or healthy self are addressed through the simple act of growing. I just love anything that helps us get take care of multiple things at once. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, let's drill down a little bit on the climate crisis piece. So how does me planting kale, like you were talking about, in my garden bed or or anything in my yard. I'm lucky to have a yard. Not everybody has a yard, but we all have a windowsill or maybe some sort of outdoor space. How does that help the climate, which feels like this huge insurmountable problem? It, it is. It's a, The climate crisis is a huge, seemingly insurmountable problem. I mean, it's so vast. And I know that it's hard to believe that any one person can make a difference. But when you look at the efforts of someone like Greta Thunberg, who, you know, sat outside and started a conversation 
you know, sat outside our school and boycotted school and started that conversation, we could all agree that that was pretty monumental. And we're not all Greta. We're not, you know, we can't each of us be Greta and nor, nor necessarily would we want to be. But what we can do is start a conversation with our bodies and our minds and our community again, our family. And that can start through the language we use and how we talk about plants and growing or the climate crisis or whatever it is that's important to a person to having a set of tangible, actionable tools to, in reality, support biodiversity both below ground and above ground and demonstrate through our home plots that a quarter of an acre, a tenth of an acre, or a window box can truly make a difference. And it does. So on the tangible aspect, so there's the conversation, right, that, that Greta inspired us to have and that the pandemic inspired us to have when we were clamoring to get outside and be in nature, we realized, I really do need this nature connection. (laughs) And how do I revive that? How do I regenerate that? How do I, how do I bring that back and, or bring it forward in my life? How do I lean into it? Right? So there's that conversation, that dialogue we're constantly having. And then there's this tangible action. And in reality, those two things work together, right? The, act, the actions that we participate in every day help form our minds, just like our language help form our actions. And so when we come at a large issue with this two-tier approach, we're, we're, we're wiring our bodies and our coping mechanisms and our abilities to be proactive. And I, that might sound kind of out there, but it's true. Now, on the tangible, on the tangible end of things, there's studies out of the University of Bristol in the UK, where they looked very closely, they, they did one survey, it was a three-year survey on the ability of communities, suburban and urban communities, to single-handedly support biodiversity. And they found that farm fields can be feast or famine, but it's our window boxes and our home plots and our cityscapes that provide this wide range of forage and habitat. And just think if we approach those spaces with a little bit of thoughtful planting, a little bit of know-how, even if it's not a lot of know-how, maybe it's just noticing that those herbs you planted, maybe it's thyme. Wow, those bees really love it. Maybe I'll plant more thyme. And I also have something that I can use in my kitchen. And I'm supporting bees in the process. How wonderful is that? And that that love, that dialogue that you start with that one plant by observing, then translates into other parts of, of the plant world or our lives. And so that's one tangible end. And then the other tangible side of that is the positive benefits of planting biodiversity on the soil ecosystem. And this is something I talk about in my next book, and it might sound really out there, but there's power in microbes. And we know, research has shown us that when we foster soil health, we have the ability to return carbon to soil. At what scale? We're still figuring that out. But the possibility is there. We know it takes a very long time. It can take decades, which tells us we need to start today. 
And when we start planting and fostering soil health with, with regenerative practices that includes growing perennials, applying compost to the top layer of soil, and considering organic practices, skipping pesticides, herbicides, and synthetic fertilizers, that alone makes a huge difference. And that's something we can all do starting today. Right. I know when we were chatting before we recorded today, you were saying that your window box or your garden bed connects to your neighbor's backyard plot, connects to the park, connects to maybe the, you know, the forest or the the more wild area that's not too far from your house. And, and I just had this vision of like looking down and seeing how all these little, all these little green spots kind of form this bigger patchwork for things like pollinators and other wildlife. I, can you talk about that a little bit more? Because I think that is an idea that helps with something else we were talking about before the interview, which is this eco-anxiety, right? <laughs> like, oh my goodness, you read the headlines about there's more fires or there's a superstorm or what have you. And it feels like this big problem. But then if you think of like your contribution, your one puzzle piece in this million piece puzzle, I think that can really alleviate some anxiety that ripples out in a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And those are the words I use quite often, which is patchwork and puzzle piece. And, and you know, what good is a puzzle when you're missing two or three pieces, right? It's frustrating to get to the end of the puzzle and find <laughs> that there's a hole in the middle of it and it's one piece. And so when you think about it that way, you realize that every single piece matters. Every single piece of the puzzle matters. My part and your part or your plot and my plot and you're exactly right. So on one end, there's this, this bird's eye view of how everything fits together. And if you think about it, our spaces were once contiguous. They all, all these places once touched one another. And it's through development that we've separated these spaces through buildings and commercial centers and roads and, and all the things that we've benefited from over these years. And now it's time to consider, well, how can we rebuild these bridges and create living greenways? And how can my garden connect to my neighbor's garden that connects to the neighborhood park or the national park or the other green space that might be down the way that then connects across the planet? And that is when we benefit and when wildlife and nature benefits because the healthier the planet, right, the healthier we are as humans. And we can then address issues such as eco-anxiety on all these tiers. Because really, eco-anxiety is, is this reaction to a perceived threat, right? It's this anxiety that comes with, with this threat, anxiety in general, I guess I should, should say. And when you address, when you're looking at eco-anxiety, it's this real threat, of a changing climate. And as you said, wildfires and hurricanes and you know these superstorms, as well as rising tides and everything that comes with it, that's really scary. And what we know from research is that, again, there's hope in action. And yes, we need to look at these very large issues from a you know government governmental policy change or and international cooperation and 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 corporate accountability but 
we can't just wait for the voting booths to open every two to four years, right? We feel better when we act on something every day. I did that. It could be something small. Look, I planted this three by three square or one meter square patch of butterfly friendly plants. And now look who's visiting. Wow, I feel really good. And that has a snowball effect, a positive snowball effect. Right. And it helps us remember that we're we're connected. We're connected to nature. We're connected to our neighbors. We're connected to our larger community. Mm-hmm. So I love that idea about how we can contribute. So to act on that, what's something that we can do that listeners can do either later today or maybe this weekend to kind of start growing, as you say, the change they want to see? Right. So there are a number of things anyone could do starting today. One would be to compost everything that you possibly can. Uh, In fact, when I was researching for my second book, uh, that was one of the number one things that every soil scientist I spoke to that is researching the climate crisis and how to move carbon to soils. Let's put compost on the soil. That's the number one way to return carbon to soil from the atmosphere. Uh, so you could you could start by composting your kitchen scraps. Kitchen scraps going into the landfill is one of, like, like if food waste, I think the saying goes is if food waste were a country, it would be the number three climate driver after the U.S. and China. Wow. And so if it's we're- It's a big country. <laughs> it's a big country. <laughs> and so if we could- compost our kitchen scraps, whether it's at home or through a community hub. Um, And there are a number of examples of community-run composting programs, which are really fabulous. LA Compost is one of them. I'm actually doing an episode on this. There'll be an episode on this either in the couple of days before this episode airs and the couple of days after. So if you're interested, I'll, I'll provide some resources. Yeah. Community composting is a really incredible option. So compost your, your property, compost uh, your kitchen scraps. And that could be adding compost. Again, if it's not your property, it could be your cityscape, the health strip between the road and your sidewalk, community garden, whatever bare ground you have available that you can possibly find. And then planting, planting perennials. Consider growing a three by three or one meter square space, as I mentioned before, for pollinators, or consider growing perennial vegetables because perennials keep living roots in the ground and those living roots uh, foster soil uh, biodiversity. And oftentimes they also pe- provide flowers for and, and forage for other animals, including pollinators, and then food for us. So you have this multi-service plant. And really, if those were the only things you did, you would improve your health and the health of your community and the health of the planet one small plot at a time. So compost, compost your kitchen scraps and plant with purpose. Okay, great. I love the idea of a perennial vegetable. Can you give an example? I know it depends a lot on garden zones and where you live. I mean, I know I also I have oregano in my garden that comes back year after year and I live in the Northeast and there's not many herbs that overwinter and every summer it flowers and there are these huge, I mean, these huge black, I don't even know what kind of waspy things they are. They love that oregano. So like that to me is like anybody could plant that. I don't do anything. It survives my neglect. In fact, it thrives despite it. Are there other things like that, that people could just kind of throw in the ground and sort of forget about? 
Absolutely. Uh, Oregano is a great example. Thyme is another fabulous example. It's super hardy, provides flowers much like oregano does. Lovage is a less lesser known herb that has kind of a licorice fennel-y kind of flavor that you can use in soups and and it's in the it's in the same family as a carrot. And so it's a host plant for butterflies like the for the larvae of butterflies like um, anise uh, swallowtail butterfly. Uh, there's rhubarb and asparagus. Um, they're both cold hardy. Chives is another excellent one. Chives um, are one of those one of those plants that's early to bloom in spring. And I've seen the most beautiful bees on chive flowers. These blue orchard bees, which are electric blue and and so gorgeous against those kind of magenta pink mm. blooms of chives. And you can use the leaves and the blooms in food. You can eat them both or make Oh, I didn't know you could eat the blooms. I'm going to have to yeah. try that. Vinegar with, with the blooms. It's so beautiful. But those are, those are a set of them. And I really feel like perennial vegetables and herbs are those, you know, plant it once and, and harvest it uh, for years to come. And you get these wonderful benefits. And so does um, the environment. Fantastic. Emily, for folks who want to connect with you and get more and hear about your book when it comes out, where can they connect with you and where can they find you? Yeah, so I, while my book is Grow What You Love, my, um, I usually go by Pass the Pistol, which is P-I-S-T-I-L is in part of a flower. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest and Facebook, of course, uh, but I'm mostly on Instagram and Pinterest and Twitter under Pass the Pistol. And that is a short for Grow What You Love and Pass It On. And Pistol is that part of the flower. So you're actually passing the flower if that helps anyone remember that. And then, of course, my book, Grow What You Love, can be found wherever books are sold. And, and uh, of course, my website, which is also Pass the Pistol. Great. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hi there, it's me, Kate, back with your tiny assignment. So, what are you going to do? How are you going to get growing? That's the question to answer today for your tiny assignment. Could you get a window box going or put a planter on your stoop? Or maybe get some seeds and put them in the ground? It's probably not too late if you're listening to this in April. or. Could you buy a bag of compost or pick up compost from a community garden and put it somewhere in the soil near your home? Could be around a tree that's in the sidewalk or in your own lawn or in your own garden. Just find some way to grow something that you love. And be sure to come back tomorrow when I am talking about how to throw away less food. This is actually a more fun and creative topic than it might sound like. So I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes, a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han, K-A-T-E-H-A-N. 
or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 